Hi, welcome to the Spiritually Minded Mom Podcast, where every mom can find hope, joy, and God's hand in motherhood. You'll hear interviews with all kinds of moms who are learning how to navigate motherhood. Most of all, you'll learn that you have a partner in motherhood, a loving Heavenly Father who wants you to succeed and is always there to help you in your most important work as a mother. And now, here's your host, my mom, Dara Trendler. Welcome to the Spiritually Minded Mom podcast. This is Darla, and I am excited to have you here today. Today, my guest is a fellow podcaster, and her name is Chanel Nelson, and she has a great podcast called Moms Who Know, and if you haven't checked that out, you should, and we'll leave all that information in the show notes for you, but she's she's also a mother to five children, and I'm just going to let her introduce herself and welcome her to the podcast, so welcome, Chanel. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. So um, my family has five kids. Like you said, we live in Southern California. My husband and I have been married for 18 years and known each other now for 21. We uh, we dated for a while and then we both served missions uh, for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and wrote that whole time and then came home and got married. Um, we had four kids in six years. So our first four are nice and close together. And then we have a seven year gap and we had a surprise baby number five, who is now two. And it's been so much fun having a little guy around the house again. We really thought we were done and we're so glad that we're not and that we have this little guy in our family. Um, I podcast at Moms Who Know, like you mentioned, and I'm also the author of a book called Parenting with Purpose. That is great. I love, you have so many varied experiences with motherhood because you've <laughs> kind of, you know, you've got teenagers now, you've got a little one, you've you've had all the kids close together, you've got this one at the end, so you kind of have everything going on, and I'm really excited to, to share a little bit more of your story, so thank you so much. Okay, so let's dive in and talk first about your parenting philosophy. So you told me that your philosophy is kind of just to let your kids explore and use their imaginations and create. So Tell us a little bit about that approach and what do you hope your children will learn from that and know from that? Yeah. So my, my oldest is a girl and then the other four are boys. And so we have a lot of boy energy going on. And part of what I, we don't do a lot of organized sports and that has to do with my kids' interests and also me as a mom, I really love for us to have family dinner. I love for us to have that time together. And so what that turns into is a lot of time for them to explore and be outside. We live in in the suburbs. I mean, it's a neighborhood and they'll go behind the houses. There's an area where there are, it's just, it's, they call it the wilderness, but it's just an empty space. And uh, they go back there and they have all kinds of adventures. It's awesome. To me, I just love it because what happens is I'm not dictating their play and they come up with the most amazing things. I really subscribe to the philosophy of simplicity parenting. Kim John Payne wrote a book that I just love and it's called Simplicity Parenting. And one of the things he says in there is that when you allow your kids to be bored, it's a gift. And I just think that is huge. And so when my kids come to me and say, which they don't do very often anymore because they've learned, but if they come to me and say, mom, I'm bored, 
I say, that is awesome. Like something awesome is around the corner. Um, either that or I give them a chore and they don't like either one of those answers very well. So they don't tell me they're bored very often. But I love it because what happens is something awesome does happen. They're bored. And then after that boredom, that's when the light bulbs come on. That's when they start to do all these creative things. I mean, they make things. They my daughter will decorate. She'll redo her room. She'll come up with things. She's 15. My boys will, you know, they, the other day they made a dartboard in their room. <laughs> they, they made darts out of, it was kind of dangerous. A lot of what they do has to do with weapons, but it, it had, they had <laughs> nails and they made them able to fly. And then they were throwing them across their room into this dartboard. It's awesome. Who would have thought, right? Who would have yeah. thought they'd come up with that? Well, I think I think that's such a good philosophy because you're setting them up to f- find their own happiness, find their own fun, find, you know, to do things for themselves and they're not dependent upon you. So that's a yeah. great skill that's going to transfer over when they become an adult and you're not around anymore, you know, right there next to their side saying, here, you can do this now or, you know, whatever. And I love that they're making a dartboard. That's just, <laughs> uh, their childhood sounds perfect. Like going out to play in the wilderness, that's. That sounds really adventurous. (laughs) Well, and that is the hope. Like you said, that's the hope that they will be self-sufficient adults. That's what we all want for our kids. And yet uh, so often it's easy. It's easy for me. I mean, I still have to catch myself when my kids are, you know, fighting with each other or something. I want to just hand them a device here. Just look at this and stop fighting. Or, you know, if they say they're bored here, do this instead of instead of being bored. And yet we're missing the magic when we, we give them that electronics instead. Oh, that is so true. And I think, you know, we're missing out on the opportunity for them to find out for themselves who they are and, and what they're doing. And, you know, it's definitely the easier route to hand them that device or, you know, to teach them, no, you didn't clean the bathroom, right? This is how you do it. And, you know, it's easier to just go do it yourself. We all know that, but parenting's not always easy, right? <laughs> so yeah. that that's that's setting our kids up for a, a lifelong of success. I love I love that that's your approach that you can just kind of kick back. Do you ever get stressed out about like okay, you walk in, you see they made a dartboard and they're totally have made a big mess? I mean, I know every mom's thinking that because we all kind of freak out about that. Do you, how do you handle that? You know, I'm a pretty low stress kind of person. It doesn't I don't love the messes for sure, but I just, when I do start to feel my temperature rise and like, ah, I say, you know what, we're going to clean this up later. And if, if I do see that and worry about it in the moment, I'll be like, okay guys, you know, in 10 minutes, we're going to clean this up together. We're going to get this done. But I also just really try to remind myself. And sometimes it does take that extra step of reminding yourself like, okay, they are doing something awesome here. It's worth the mess. It's worth it when my kitchen is torn up, which happens a lot because they made themselves homemade tortillas. Like awesome. Who does that? You know, they, they found a recipe, they made tortillas and things like that, that they just do. I love. And so I remind myself when we're cleaning the mess together, because of course they want me involved in that part. But, um, we do it together and it's awesome the things that they're learning. So I think it's worth it, but it, it takes that little step of reminding myself that it's worth it. Okay. So that makes me think, would would you say that, that you've always been that way? Like w- were you just totally wired that way when you became a mother or was there some kind of transition? Was there, you know, points where you learned this along the way? 
Yes. Okay. Great question. I can pinpoint it to a moment. Oh, that's um, awesome. That changed. So I used to, uh, when I had the four littles, my oldest was six when number four was born, right? So it was just all little kids mm. all the time. And I found myself being really stressed out. And at that point, I decided that I needed something for me. And that's when I started doing a morning routine. And I I continued it to this day. So my youngest would have been about two. But for those two years when I had four kids, things were crazy. And I was frustrated way more than I, I like to be. So I started a morning routine of yoga every morning and um, have added to it a few other things over the years. I do my scripture study in the morning now. Um, I have you know time to journal and things like that. But I'm taking this time for me every morning. And that has made such a huge difference. It, it gives me this reservoir or this well of calm that I can draw on through the day where before I started doing that, I was so depleted. I didn't have anything to draw on and I would get a lot more upset. I felt a lot more stressed where now I can roll with it much better because of that. So would you, if you were talking to a mom who's in the trenches where you were when you had those four little kids and they were, it sounds like you'd give them the advice to have a morning routine to take some time for themselves. What other things would you, would you help them to implement in their life? Yeah. So morning routine is huge. And I would say along with that is being willing to ask for help. So it may, you know, it didn't just happen that I could have a morning routine. I had to ask my husband to take the kids for that little bit of time. You know, if they wake up, we can wake up at the crack of dawn as moms and the kids somehow sense it and they wake up early, you know, (laughs) on that day when you just wanted to do something for yourself. So I had to negotiate that with my husband and like, okay, I need this time. So if the kids wake up while I'm doing my yoga, can you take them? Even if you're getting ready for work, you know, even if, and, and that's how, that's how we did it. So that I had this sacred time in the morning just for me. So I, I think that a lot of times I know for me anyway, I was reluctant to ask for that help and sort of felt like, well, you know, the kids, that's my job. I'm, I'm the mom. So I have to get up with them in the morning. And, you know, these certain things that I pictured that I have to do. So realizing that you don't have to do everything, that was a huge one for me. And then asking for help when I needed it. So those are the things that I'd say for moms. And then yes, to morning routine, if there's any way to get that time, in the morning for yourself, do it. Makes all the difference. Yeah, that that is so true. And you have to you have to learn to communicate and ask you're worth it to ask for what you need. It's okay. Yeah. Right? It's okay to talk to your husband or if you don't have a husband to figure some way out that you can have that time to yourself. Because like you said, you've got to have something to draw on. If it if that well is empty, you know, you're not going to have anything to give. Yeah. That definitely. So good. Well, another th- view of yours that I really love is the way that you view the stages of motherhood as seasons. So I would love for you to tell us a little bit more about that. What does that mean for you and how does that view help you on those hard days? Yeah, you know, I think that this is another reason why it was so hard for me when my kids were little is because I didn't view it as seasons. It just felt like I was yeah. going to have young kids in my house forever and that this stage of life would last forever. And one of the great things about getting older is gaining that perspective and being able to see like, oh, 
you know, all those little ladies in the grocery store were right. It doesn't last very long. They're always telling you, right? It, oh, it oh, goes so sure. fast. And, and you're thinking, no, it doesn't. I've been living this day forever. <laughs> it's the longest season of my life. But so for now, it's been so awesome to be an old young mom. I'm 40 and I have a two-year-old. Okay, and that's an interesting perspective. Yes. Yeah. You know, I was before when I was a young mom with young kids, it was just so different. And now I, I'm older and I'm raising this baby and I have a two-year-old. And when he does his naughty two-year-old stuff or he's throwing a fit, it doesn't it doesn't get to me, partly because of what I mentioned and having that, you know, calmness going on and having my time for me. But also, I know this isn't going to last. This is the one year I get with him when he's two. Next year, he's going to be on to new things and he's going to be three and we're going to go through all that. And just I recognize that things keep moving and keep changing. And I think that a lot of times it's easy to get stuck in that idea that it's hard now and we feel like it's hard and it's always going to be hard. So I guess, yeah, just that perspective has shifted for me because I realize things keep moving. And even though they're hard now, still they're always hard in a certain way. It's different. And so if you're living this hard, hard moment right now, don't worry. Like it's going to shift. Things are going to be changed. You'll change and you'll have a new thing to work on really soon. Yeah, when you were saying that, it made me think of, of the word, well, two words, eternal perspective. Mm. Like sometimes things are just hard and there's really not a way out right at that moment. You just have to kind of go through it. But if you can look at the big picture of what you're doing as a mom and, and you know, even the big picture eternally of, you know, you're trying to build this eternal family and, and help your kids know the Savior and all those things – that might that might be the only thing that gets you through, but you can get through it, and it doesn't last forever, right? So yeah, we know that. I I sent a kid off out of my home this year, and it was amazing to me how I'm like, it is over. Like when you held that baby in your arms, and you think, oh, this is my life forever. It is not. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so crazy. If those ladies in the grocery store, right? It really does go by fast, <laughs> right? <laughs> yep. Okay. So I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about some of the personal struggles that you've had, because I really feel like the things that you've dealt with, um, a lot of people can relate to and we'll be able to, you'll be able to share some things that might be able to help. So I know one of the struggles that you've had involves disordered eating. So will you tell me a little bit about that? How did it start? And then how did it affect you as a mother? Yeah. Okay. So for me, um, when I was young, I want to say like about 11, when I went through puberty, I really started, I went, grew out before I grew up. Mm -hmm. And so I got a little bit chubby and I was looking around at all the other girls and it felt like all the other girls were thin. And man, I just wanted to be cute and skinny. And I wanted this so bad. It was so, became so important to me. And I just wasn't built that way. I just had a little meat on my bones. My dad bless his heart, said, you you have legs like a football player. Oh. Thanks, dad, you know? <laughs> but I just was a little, a little bit thicker. And so as I got older, I turned to dieting. Now, my mom is funny. She dieted a little bit, so I didn't really have it in my home where it was like talked about a lot, but kind of her way was just to not talk about it. And so as I started to feel really uncomfortable with my body, I would, I didn't have anyone to talk to. And so I turned to friends. It got in early high school. I had a friend 
And we would challenge each other to do stuff like, let's see who can eat the least for the next two weeks. And and whoever eats the least wins. Or all you're allowed to eat for the next two weeks is saltine crackers and celery. You know, we clearly didn't know anything about nutrition, but um, do stuff like that. And and whoever could eat the least or who could lose the most weight by not eating. I mean, it was it was pretty bad. And so I would fluctuate in my weight, but never to the point I was never clinically diagnosed with an eating disorder. But all through high school, I would do that. And I can look at pictures, you know, when I was in my at my skinniest or I would start eating again. And of course, inevitably, I would gain weight. It got the worst for me in college uh, because I was away from home. And, you know, like a lot of us gained some weight in my freshman year. And I really did not want that. Like that was a huge deal to me. And so then continued on with that and even, you know, some more extreme behaviors and just really the heart of it is I just wanted to feel good and I didn't. I felt like my my worth, my beauty, my everything depended on being thin, on how I looked. And if I could just look good, I would be able to feel good. And if you had asked me at the time, like if I had high self-esteem, I would have said yes. Like I felt good about the things I was doing and college classes and all these things. And yet there was something there with my worth. I didn't feel like I, I was worth, you know, it wasn't just an intrinsic worth. It depended on how I looked and, Mm -hmm. and on how many boys liked me and if I could fit into this certain size and things like that. Okay, so this is going right up into college. So so were you still having those issues as you became a mother? Yeah, so I got over the worst of it. My husband helped me. We met when I was 19 and he was 18, and he helped me a lot. And then I served a mission, and um, on my mission, I really prayed and told God, you know what, I'm here to serve. I served in Taiwan. I'm here to serve people and to to share about the love of Jesus Christ. And I don't want the way that I feel about my body to get in the way. So help me to just let it go. And truly, it was a miracle for me. I did I still thought about it more than than probably was good or healthy, but I was able to really let go of some of those behaviors and just eat and and do what I was sent there to do. So when I got married, I was over the worst of it uh, as far as behaviors, but I think mentally I still mm-hmm. was, I, I know I wasn't really over it because I would just feel so terrible about my body. And I really worried about getting pregnant and putting on all that weight. And that was a struggle because, you know, in those years when you're having babies, you're fluctuating, you're going up, down, you're gaining weight. And, and even if you, you know, that you have the healthiest pregnancy ever, you're going to gain weight and you're not going to look the same after. And so that was, that was a struggle for me. Yeah, that and you know you you had those four kids really quick close together and your body's just kind of kind of out there. So um I know that you 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 help other people now with this and you've worked a lot on the mental part of it like you said. So how did you get to that point where you can accept your body and love yourself and you know be comfortable with who you are and know that you have worth outside of you know it doesn't matter what you weigh. How did you get to that point? 
Okay. So for me, I really would try, I tried so hard to turn it over to God and I would pray and like, just, can I just be done with this. This has been so hard. I don't want this to be a thing anymore. I want to love my body, but I didn't feel it. And I didn't know how to let that go. And I would, I would remember praying things and saying things like, can't, you know, okay, take the burden. Like I'm ready, take it. And it was never taken from me. And whenever I would go to like a conference or, you know, certain things would stand out, it was always that, like that was my trial. And whenever I heard something about, about body image or, or weight issues, I was, I was hungry for it. Like, tell me, I, this is the answer I'm seeking. That is the answer I want. I would read my scriptures looking for that answer. And it, it was many years of really searching for it. And feeling like I was making progress, and yet it was still there. It was still in my mind. I would still um, self-monitor a lot, look at myself, worry about my weight, all those things. So what finally happened as I was at girls camp um, with the young women in our church, and it... Oh, Girls camp is amazing to be, you know, I love going this, the spirit is just so strong and you are surrounded by it. And there was a woman there who is one of my dear friends now. And she said, girls, she wasn't even, I don't even know why she, well, I do know why she said this. She said this for me, but this wasn't even what she was talking about. And she said, girls, heavenly father put you in the body that you're in for a reason. And that just hit me. And I realized I have been fighting this, fighting against this body, wanting something else for so long. Heavenly Father knew and he planned and he put me in this specific body for a reason. And when I realized that and when I knew it and really knew it, I realized what a lie I had been fed for so long, Satan has been trying to tell me that my body isn't good enough and and that, you know, only if we look a certain way are our bodies a blessing. No, that is the biggest lie of all. Our bodies, no matter what, you could weigh over 300 pounds and your body is a gift and your body is a blessing to you. And when I really came to understand that, everything changed for me. I then was able to love my body. And I started that day and I, I do it to this day. Every day when I pray, I thank Heavenly Father for my body. I am so thankful for this body that I have. And that gratitude, because I was afraid after that camp, I was afraid I would lose it. Like, oh, well, I feel this now, but I don't want to ever lose this. And so I turned it into gratitude and I, that's one of the things that I work on with people and teach people to be grateful for your body. So I absolutely love that. It's, it's so amazing that you have that one experience that you can pinpoint to say, this is when I turned it around and this was the message that God gave you. And no, you know, um, I love that message that he gave me this body for a reason, like this is mine. And also what you said about Satan, like, guess what, guys? He doesn't have a body. So why do you think he's targeting us so hard to not love ourselves and to to loathe our bodies? I mean, we really get caught up in that. And I think I think that is such a remarkable experience that you could learn through the Spirit what Heavenly Father, how He really views you and how you should view yourself. 
and your body. That That is beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that and for sharing, you know, some of the ideas. So you mentioned gratitude is something that you teach other people to love yourself. If there is a mom out there that is just struggling with loving her body and, you know, being comfortable with herself and her worth, what else would you tell her? I would say, first of all, understand that if you are deep into this, you know, where I was just really feeling terrible about your body, that it's a process to come Mm -hmm. out. I always had hoped. And, and in that, in sharing that story, I hope that people see that there was a lot of work that went into ahead of time and a lot of shifting in my own mind. I wasn't ready for that until that moment. You know, I had, I had tried and tried, like I said, to, to make changes, but until I was ready, I couldn't accept that gift. And so that's one thing is to keep at it. If you're like, Oh, I just will never, I'll never break free of this burden. I'll never have a good, you know, feel good about my body or feel good about who I am. Recognize that you can take steps and every step you take in that right direction is heading towards that, that freedom from, for me, it was bondage. It was just being so consumed that I was, distracted. And this is to answer your earlier question too. You said, how does this tie into my motherhood? So for me, it wasn't ever like, oh, my, you know, teaching my, having my kids see me weigh myself or diet or anything. I was very careful not to do that. And so I thought, well, you know, Satan there. So there I, you're not affecting my kids. And yet it did affect my kids and it did affect my family because I was distracted from what was more important. This was just such Mm -hmm. a distraction for me and kept me from learning all the things I need to learn. I mentioned that when I was at a conference or even reading my scriptures, what was I looking for? I was looking for how to feel good in my body. It preoccupied everything. And so It was just one of uh, the adversary's tools to distract me and anything that he can do to distract us from our true purpose of, of being mothers, of serving and of all these important things, the real things that we're here to do, man, it's a victory for him. And so that's another thing I would say to moms is recognize that when you're in that, in that feeling bad about your body, you're giving Satan what he wants. And to me, when I realized that, man, I don't want him to have what he wants. Yeah. No, get the hint, Satan, right? I get out of here like, oh, I don't want him to have that victory over me. And so I will choose to have better thoughts about myself. That's what the Savior wants for me. Yeah. So is that what you do? Like, I mean, you hear, you tell this story and it sounds like, oh, she was just instantly cured and everything was great. I'm sure that you still have those thoughts creep back in, right? We all have that. So is that what you do? Do you just, you just say, nope, I'm not going to have these thoughts is, you know, what, what do you do when, when you feel Satan targeting you again? Cause he knows your weakness, right? He knows yeah. that he can get you there. What do you do to turn that around now? So I, I use gratitude specifically. So if I start to feel, and it's so much, it, it comes very rarely now. I think I'm hoping that Satan is like, okay, we can't get her that way anymore, you know? And so he's moved on to other things. But, um, when I do have those thoughts creep in, I come back to that gratitude and I say, you know what? 
I'm walking around. I'm so thankful that I can walk around and look at how strong I am. I am so thankful for that strength. And even I I feed myself these thoughts consciously. And it sounds kind of weird, but I, I do it all the time. And even when I'm doing my morning yoga practice, I'll think things like, man, I am so lucky to have this body. And when I look at myself in the mirror, it used to be, oh, look at my thighs, look at my belly, you know, just this, man, I I don't like that. Or look how big my thighs are, just really down negative thoughts. And now I look at myself in the mirror and I, man, I won't even say it because you're going to be like, <laughs> okay, Chanel, calm down. <laughs> But I say good things about myself in my mind. Yeah. I look in the mirror and I I say it and I've said it enough that I believe it. I believe it. And if I ever start to doubt, then I come back to that thing that I heard at girls camp. Heavenly Father put me in this body for a reason. And when I say that, well, how if I believe that and I know that that's true, then how can I be ungrateful for this body. Yeah. Heavenly Father gave me this body for a reason, not your body, not someone else's, not my sister's body. No, this body. And so I had better learn to be grateful for it just like it is. Yeah. Oh, such good stuff. I love it. I love it. So I'm going to put in the show notes everywhere where people can find you and find out about your morning routine and your transformation all of that. So if you want to learn more about Chanel and how she's gotten to this great point in her life and being able to love herself, um, I'll, you can go to the show notes and find all that. So I do have one final question for you though, Chanel, and you probably know what's coming because I ask this every time, but how have you seen and felt God as your partner in motherhood? Yeah, this is such a big question and I love it, but I feel like when we really know our purpose, then we know whose side we're on and we can feel God's hand because he wants for our kids what we want for our kids. So I just, I feel it every day as I ask for help and turn to him and recognize, okay, God, you know, I want these kids to succeed, but I know you want it even more. And so when I turn to him with my questions and the little things and asking for patience and help and all those little things that we need help with as a mom, then I feel that guidance and those little answers in the tiniest things like how to help my son learn to do the dishes when he needs to little tiny things. And when I feel that in the tiny ways, then I know he's watching out for the big picture too. And so I feel like I, I just want to say, I know he's on our side and I know this is a partnership with God and he will continue to help us every day when we need it. Oh, that is so beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing about how, to, how we can love ourselves as women and as daughters of God and how we can help our children to know who he is as well. So thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. It's been fun talking to you. I know you have a million things to do, and I'm grateful you took the time to listen to today's podcast. I hope the episode helped you to know God is your partner in motherhood. For show notes, head over to spirituallymindedmom.com. For more motherhood inspiration, follow along on Instagram, at spirituallymindedmom. And if you enjoyed the podcast, share it with a friend. I would love it if you would leave a review and rate it on iTunes. This helps more moms to find hope, joy, and God's hand in motherhood. Have an amazing day, and remember, you are doing God's work, and you are doing it wonderfully well.